Thanks for listening. This is Momentum, the entrepreneurship podcast for photographers. I'm your host, Nate Grahek, portrait photographer and entrepreneur. Join me each week as I interview the most successful and inspiring photographers in our industry. We bring you innovative and proven business strategies you can use to shift the momentum in your own photography business, giving you the freedom to do more of what you love in business and in life. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining. We've got a really exciting guest, Ted Lenhart from Seattle. He's not a photographer, but he brings an incredible wealth of wisdom from the advertising and marketing and creative space. He's been a consultant and a writer for Fast Company. Um, he's grown his own business, his own design agency. And now he's spending a lot of time. He was actually a speaker at WPPI last year, which got me on, got him on my radar. And then he's also done an awesome training on Creative Live. So you may have seen him there. Today, we are going to talk about pricing and really learning why it's so hard for us to charge what we are worth and how why it's so hard for us to negotiate our pricing and talk about it. Um, Ted, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Nate. Love, love being here. Awesome. Well, before we jump in, um, here, the, guys, I'm going to give you a quick outline of what we're going to talk about. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. I feel like we could talk forever <laughs> already, but we're going to dig into um, the big things, the big reasons why um, there's such an emotional impact. And, and for me, that's so eye-opening in my, as a creative, why negotiating price is such a drain. And Ted's got some really good insight into why that is and why as creatives, we are so much more susceptible to that emotional drain. So the first kind of takeaway, guys, is it's we're, we're all in this together. It's You're not the only one that uh, pricing and talking about pricing is hard. Uh, we're going to figure out more about why that is. And then, of course, we'll end with some really useful tactics about how um, tricks you should do before a sales meeting, uh, how to boost your confidence. And also, we're going to be talking about how to respond. We, before we get to the end, to the actual sales session, let's go to the very, very beginning, which is this weird way that marketing is interwoven with with pricing because it all almost, in all of the photographers we talk to, over 90% of us, the, the first way we get these inquiries is they're asking to see our pricing. So how do we respond to that, that fresh, sometimes very annoying question, um, you know, in a constructive way that a doesn't stress us out so much anymore and B actually creates and converts inquiries into happy, excited booked clients. All right. So that's where we're going to go. Let's give us a little bit more background on how you discovered this, this challenge, why it's so hard for creatives to talk about, about price. How did you come to this conclusion? Well, I'm a creative and I've struggled with negotiating my entire life. I'm 73 years old at this point, And, uh, I still struggle with the feelings of anxiety, uh, when I'm negotiating. Mm -hmm. So it's universal. I have found, uh, I 
started my life as an illustrator and then moved into design and built a design agency. And of course, when you have 50 people on staff and you're negotiating fees in the hundreds of thousands and occasionally in the millions of dollars, you need to get used to asking for the money or you won't survive. And Mm -hmm. I took training uh, training a trainer who was taught by the Harvard Negotiation Project. And uh, that was very helpful for me. But I found that the Harvard Negotiation Project, although the fundamentals that they teach are very important and good, obviously good material, it doesn't really relate to creatives. It's really uh, designed for people who are much more focused on money than on the work. Right. And one of the phenomena of being a creative is that we are far more motivated by the work that we do than the money we make from doing that work. Yep. And, uh, and as I began to see over the course of my career how all creatives struggle with this, and I worked in Europe for a while as a global creative director, so I was in and out of design offices all over the world – and I saw that everybody struggles for this. It's from this. It's not just me. And um, and it's and it's and I began to read about it, and I realized how normal it is. We uh-huh. creatives are more empathetic than the general population, and it is our empathy that when we are doing the work that we do, so photography, it is the feeling that we generate in the images that we create that makes them desirable Mm -hmm. for others. And it is our empathy that allows us to see what kind of an image, what kind of a design, whatever, whatever creative endeavor we're doing. It is our empathy that allows us to see how to make that feel good and connect with other people. So it it and the reason that the world pays us money is for our ability to connect others through our work. So our empathy is like core to what we do. Wow, that makes so much sense. <laughs> I can just see how that's that's got in my way. It's it's both a strength and a weakness, right? Exactly. It, it helps us do what we do, but it also makes the pricing of it. How do we put a sticker on that? Right. Makes exactly. it really difficult. Exactly. So the number one, the most important thing to know is that every creative on the planet struggles from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, may, they may seem like they don't because we try to you know, look strong when we're facing uh, difficult things. But the reality is every creative struggles from this. So the most important thing is to simply know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then number two, knowing that this is going to happen, we have to take steps to prepare. Mm -hmm. And the simplest step that has served me so well all of my life is to simply make a list prior to any important negotiation. Anything that's going to make us anxious is to sit down in quiet and by hand make a list of our credentials that are relevant to the conversation that we're about to have. Uh-huh. And I would simply go to the men's room and 
post cell phone, I would turn the cell phone off and I mm -hmm. would sit in a stall where nobody would bother me. And I would take out a piece of paper and a pencil and carefully write down my credentials as they would relate to the meeting that I was about to be a part of. And, uh, and then I would go to the meeting. And of course, I would probably almost never cite those credentials. But what I was doing, I have now learned, I didn't know this at the time, but what I was doing was I was preloading my frontal lobe with my confidence, with the reasons for my confidence, with the reasons for why I was worthy of this assignment, for the reasons why they, I was the right choice for this client. Oh, that's so cool. I'm going to add something that I think people should, I think just that we've all known the science behind actually writing something, right? It's just this interesting connection directly to our brain and preloading our, as you call the pre, the frontal cortex, just, uh, what the, the connection with our mood, with our confidence, um, all of those things. Um, in addition to credentials, I think that what, what could be really helpful for photographers would be to read your testimonials to read the the notes you've received from your past clients that love you, what you've created for them right so that you can really stand in in the confidence that you're not for everybody you're not like the and, and it's about finding the right fit as a photographer right with you're you're not going to be the very best wedding photographer or portrait photographer every single client it's about finding a match and and we can stand in that place of uncertainty and um, with confidence going just like at a job interview, like, hey, I don't I don't need this job to pay the bills. I just I, this is a, a, an opportunity for us to make sure we're both the right fit for each other, and knowing that you're already have delivered so much value to so many people. Keep in mind always that anxiety literally reduces access to rational thought. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anxiety literally shuts down your frontal lobe. And the reason for that is that anxiety is a sign that danger is on the horizon and you may need to do something. You may need to run away. You may need to fight. You may need to to uh, freeze, you may need to surrender. Um, uh, and so the, the, and those actions are much more fast acting than rational thought. Rational thought is very slow. But if you need to run or fight, that happens very rapidly. And your, your, your rational mind gets in the way of those kinds of issues. That's why the safety mechanism is to shut it down. So you're just acting. That's why um, military people train and train and train. They're training because they don't want that that front, uh, frontal lobe to shut down when they're under fear, and they're hoping that the conditioning will will take the will override the fight flight um, syndrome. You, syndrome. Did, did you by chance hear the uh, the audio recording of the Southwest pilot recently in the news that uh, that the pilot where the engine uh, blew I up? 
Oh, um, I, I did not, but I've, she, I've, I've read the story. Yes. I, I might, I'll post it in the show notes. It's really, it's just a good example, kind of a tangent, but it illustrates so perfectly the point you're making. Um, what, it, what, what she's so well commended for mm-hmm. is how she keeps her cool. Yep. And of course, other pilots and her, even herself are like, guys, this is not a big deal. This is what, this is what years and years and years of training and practice and preparation will do is that when I'm flying an airplane with, with an engine that just exploded, I can keep my cool. Right. So it's, if we, I think it's a very fitting analogy is if, if we use that as what's possible, guess what? As creatives, we can sit in a meeting or building our pricing, um, and, and, and talking about selling our products and in a sales session with the same cool confidence as a pilot and, and not, not cold and emotionless, but, but confident and where, where we're, we're speaking from our heart, from a place of confidence and calm, um, that is not triggering our fight or flight mechanism. Cause once that happens, I think the next point I want to talk about is, is how do we decide how much to charge? And you've got a really good, metric or I think uh, a shorthand for deciding how much a photographer should charge. <laughs> it's almost, it's going to sound, it's going to sound a little simplistic, but it, it's in my experience, it's a very important point, point, the one I'm about to make. I agree. You cannot ask for mon- more money than what you are confidently able to confidently ask for. So you want to ask for the most money that you can ask for without feeling fearful. Mm-hmm. Because when you are confident, uh, people will recognize you as a professional, as knowledgeable, as being completely aware of what is required to be successful in a project like this. And if you appear anxious for instance, if you're asking for more money than you're comfortable asking for, they will detect it instantly because we're all very, very good at recognizing the state of the person we're talking to. Oh, so this is connecting so many dots for me. I've done so much reading without getting super in the weeds. I love reading like the, there's a book called The Kluge. And there's so much, so much of the reading I've, I, I'm fascinated about with, with neuroscience is this, the way our brain has evolved it started with just fight or flight, the amygdala. And then as we've gradually over years evolved the bigger brain that's capable of slower, but, but, um, more rational long-term thought, right? Um, so much good stuff here. And, but what the connection I haven't made that you're making for me is, um, is why when we're in, when we're talking about price, when we're negotiating the sales, um, whether it's during the sales session or in the like the inquiry part or whether we're doing a consultation is how highly attuned we are as humans to pick up on when somebody else that we're around is when, when their fight or flight response has been triggered and it's subtle, but I think it's so that, that that's like the, the story of humans is that nowadays there's so many ways where the, our fight or flight system has gotten us here it's served us to keep humans alive this long but now in the modern day it's just there's just countless ways that our fight or flight 
hurts us. It gets in the way where it's triggered when there is no bus bearing down on us. There is no tiger in the room, but our body starts to act as if there is because we're equally afraid of rejection. Okay. Um, now let's talk about um, the three things that, that as consumers, what do we need when we're making a purchase? It's, it's almost, it's actually four things. There's like a prerequisite um, that is the all important that we, I think that we use the other three to kind of as a scapegoat. But what are some of the, the things that as consumers that are most important in making a purchasing decision? Well, most important of all is they have to feel good about you. Mm-hmm. And because uh, we don't want to work with somebody we don't like. And, and so the overarching uh, uh, back and forth with the prospective client has to leave them during the process of it, feeling good about you. And in my experience, the best way to do that is to think of uh, this negotiation basically as research. Um, hmm. So take, take, take the whole price thing out of your mind for a minute and take the whole negotiation thing out of your mind for a minute and think of yourself as a, nego- as a researcher who is gathering information that you're going to use as you do the assignment. Um, so you're trying to learn about the other person. You're trying to learn about what your what their expectations are, what their past experiences are, what their aspirations are, uh, why they're doing this now, why it's important to them, who's going to be involved, and so on. And the process of of gathering information using questions to uh, discover uh, uh, what's going on also makes the other party feel good because it gives them a chance to tell you what their hopes and dreams are, what they're looking for, what their concerns are, and you're having a real conversation. And the purpose of that conversation is, is in fact, discovery, but it's also uh, to generate this feeling of mutuality. It's, it is mm-hmm. a conversation. Think of it as sitting on the same side of the table with the other person and discussing how you're going to do this assignment in a way that's going to meet their needs. In effect, what you're doing is you're combining your skills, your experience, your insights with their skills, their insights and their experience and their desires. And together, you're coming up with the right way to do this in a way that neither of you would have done on your own. Yeah, so important. So there's these other like the the uh, the logical rational I, I like the saying like we all make purchasing decisions based on emotion and then later justify it with logic right. um to to build on that you see you're that that's the, the the foundation is feeling good they need to feel good and confident about working with you right. um but there is what what i said is reminding me i saw i got to see simon sinek speak live many years ago after the re- release of his start with why book mm-hmm. and he asked the audience this really cool uh exercise where he said um think ask yourself why did you choose your spouse if you're married or if you're dating why what what is it about them that had you fall in love right and we all start going to this, well, they're kind of great sense of humor. And we, we shared 
um, a lot of our, our values are similar and all of these like rational things. Right. <laughs> yep. But uh, because we start trying to uh, back to our, our, our brain dynamic, right. Um, is we're making those decisions with the amygdala. Our emotional brain is making the decision. And what's so interesting, a big takeaway I got from him is that our, the part of our brain that processes language is not in the amygdala, right? And so we make, even though we're making that decision and we later ask ourselves, why do we buy a car? Why did we, um, why did we choose our spouse? We explain it with our big rational brain, but that's not actually what, what had us choose this person. It's something that we really can't even um, articulate in words because our brain just doesn't even have the language for it. Um, but, but we try our darndest, right? We try to make it as objective. So that's why when somebody is, it's, it's having the confidence to know that when you get that all common question, Hey, how much do you cost? The real question, what you can actually reframe in your head is they're asking, I need to feel good choosing you. Right. And so let's talk about price. Let's talk about the deliverables. Let's talk about the schedule, all of these objective things. But if that's all you answer, that's the trap, right? If all we do is answer those objective things, they're still not going to feel good about us. So what what are ways, even though people ask for the objective, the, the rational, what are ways you recommend that creatives and photographers um, steer the conversation so that they're they're actually answering the question that's being asked. Is it, I want to be able to trust you. I want to feel good working with you. Well, the number one thing to know is that it's never about price. Hmm. It's never about price. Yep. There's always a range and you have to be positioned within the range, but the actual price within that range um uh, is is extremely variable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the research that I did prior to my uh, WPPI uh, uh, training session uh, was showed me that you could hire a wedding photographer for as low as five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Most of them were at thirty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. The high end is twenty thousand dollars. Yep. Um, okay, so now we know what the range is. The range is $3,500 to $20,000. Well, that's quite a nice range. <laughs> that's quite a nice range. So maybe we're at the beginning of our career and we're going to ask for, you know, because we're not confident, maybe we'll ask for $3,000 and feel fine about it. And as we move along and we develop our expertise and we begin to see how how to develop our style and become more distinctive in the work that we're doing, we move up to 3,500, 4,000 and so on. And the basic the basic uh, three steps of of uh, of value are number one, fitting in. And that means you got a camera and you know how to use it. And you uh, step number two is you stand out. That means you got a camera, you know how to use it, and you're really good at it. And maybe you're getting some recognition for it. And step three is standing totally apart. And that's where 
princes and kings reach out to you and ask you to photograph their weddings and price is not the issue. Right. And, uh, and you can, you can have a, a good life and a good career at any one of those, at any one of those levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's, that's completely up to you. Um, but, but thinking of it that way, you know, uh, if you're at the lowest level, you're, you're, mo- you're, you're at the lower, you're at the lower level of, of what you're comfortable asking for, but you're making a living doing it. You're happy. Great. You know, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So fit in, stand out, stand apart is is my little mantra. And and some people are totally cut out for the standing stand apart world. And, you know, good for them. Yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's, let's go back. Let's go back to price for a minute. Yeah. OK. So now let's say we've established mutuality with the client. We've had the conversation. We know that they like us. We certainly like them. We know we're having a great conversation. And by the way, this is a conversation. This is uh, uh, at best in person. Second best is with online visit video service like Zoom or Skype or something like that. And third is on the telephone. Never, never, ever negotiate through email. Hmm. So because you cannot get the inflection, you cannot get how they're feeling through email and you can make horrible errors. And it happens every day by people who are uncomfortable with the discussion. And so they revert to email because they they'll offer up some excuse like they can be more thoughtful or something like that. But the problem is that you miss the inflection of the other person. You don't you don't you can't read how they're feeling. Right. So, so now we're in conversation with the client. We've established that we feel good about them. They feel good about us. And now we can get down to those three rational points that everybody needs to know. And they are, what are they going to get? That's called the deliverables. And how long is it going to take or the schedule? And then finally, what is it going to cost? And so at the end of the discussion, and this is in person or or through one of those mediums, um, we summarize. We say, well, in my experience, a project like this will take me a month to prepare and then probably about a week to set up. And then the two days that we're going to do it are going to be these two days in August. Um, and uh, the deliverables you're going to get are this, this, and that, and these other things, whatever they happen to be. And then... For an assignment like that, uh, my fee is $8,000. How does that sound? And then you shut up. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they will say to you, well, Bob or Sally, um, you know, that sounds pretty good. But you didn't remember we talked a little bit about the farm and how we're going to do it on the farm. Is that going to uh, have an impact on this? And then you could say, you know what? I completely forgot about the farm. My, I'm sorry. Um, uh, you know, actually, now that I think about it, that will not add anything to the to the price, but it might add another day to the schedule for me to set up. Mm-hmm. And then go back. So so back. So we're back to another day on the schedule, and it'll still be eight thousand dollars again. How does that sound? And then be quiet. So yeah. when they correct when they correct you, what they're doing is they're thoughtfully uh, listening to what you have to say, and they're and they're thinking about does that fit what I have in mind or not, 
and then they may ask a question or two or challenge you on the price. Um, but what you're doing is you're resummarizing what you've already discussed. And then when they agree, you say, great. And you now have a handshake agreement for that fee. Yeah. Now we can, now we can send them a one page document that shows they're going to get these items and it's going to take this much time and it's going to cost this much money. Yep. Yep. Only, it, only then do mm -hmm. we have enough of a relationship to actually give them a piece of paper. That's so good. Yeah. So many good takeaways there that the importance of doing it in person um, and going to great lengths to have it happen in person, if it can, if not um, over a web, a web chat or a face chat um, where you can see their face. And, um, and if, if all else fails over at least audio where um, you can hear them and versus it's just, you're not ever going to get I believe what you're worth if you're only negotiating over email. There's, you're, you're just not able to to communicate uh, the, the the that that um, the intangible, right? You're not able to build a relationship with somebody and have them totally feel good about you um, with over over e just email. Exactly. Okay. Um, just as a quick resource for everybody, um, I think this is going to go so nicely. We've got a free training we'll link to, which um, a lot of photographers have been implementing this year, where you take your on, your pricing, whatever your current pricing document is, um, we've got a way to make a short one page kind of teaser. It doesn't matter if you use our online pricing guides or your own. The first takeaway is that you've got to stop replying to this question of what are your prices by sending your full PDF. If you have a full price list, that is not what they should. Nobody should ever see that until you're, you've met in person. Um, if that, if, if at all, it may be even the only what time they see the full one is like, is the day before the sales meeting or something like that. Instead, I know it's important that you guys have that because it kind of becomes your your business plan, your business model. Um, but that's now that you've heard all of this this great science and tactics at work, um, know that when even though somebody's asking you for your pricing, that's not actually what they're asking you for. <laughs> so don't give just the pricing. You're going to overwhelm them. They're not going to understand. They do not need to see a list of, of your sizes and prices because they don't understand what the difference between an eight by 10 and a 36 by 24. They just, or what a canvas from you looks and feels like versus a canvas from some cheap store online. All of those things are not communicated in a PDF, right? So instead, you make a shortened teaser page, whether it's a PDF or a website. Um, and then the real magic comes with using, and this is all in the training we provide, where uh, you can make a quick video intro um, there's a screen recording where you, uh, with a webcam, you introduce yourself in just a couple minutes. So you're building that relationship, being authentic, um, and then saying, let's walk through. I know this is hard to do. Uh, I know choosing a photographer is difficult, which is why I made this free guide. So here's why photographers are, why, why people choose us. Um, and here's an introduction to our packages. But more than talking about size and price, it's talking about the special products, what's unique about the products, and why people love working with you. What do you do that's so special, right? And that can be the automatic auto-reply 
that is all designed to a um, just respond instantly so that you can continue on with your dinner with your family when you get an inquiry and not feel like you've got to interrupt and be on call at all hours of the day. Um, but number two, it, it's an opportunity to make a personal impact and first impression um, automatically, but doesn't replace the need to have that in-person connection, right? So um, with that framework, Ted, what would you recommend? How can they build on that 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 framework? Um, and, and I think specifically, you've got some ideas on what should they be saying in that that video? It doesn't take the place of of an in-person meeting, but what what when they're working on their script or their their bullet points of what they should be saying in a in a quick intro video, um, what do you recommend? I think people want to know why you do this. Um, what is it that makes you feel good about the work that you do? How, um, why have you become a photographer? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, why does it make your heart go pitter pat? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're interested in your perception on yourself and how, how your work, how you feel like your work uh, helps others. Um, the people want to know that you're emotionally engaged in your work and that it's very important to you and that the connections that you make with people through your work is what makes you happy, makes you feel good about, you know, your profession. So it's all about um, communicating the, the emotion that you have about what you do and how it touches others um, uh, is is critical to to the transaction. And you know, always when when I'm selling, I mean, I try to tell stories about uh, you know uh, somehow uh, something I did touched someone's heart, made them feel good. Whatever. And I did it when I was selling brand and I do it today when I'm, you know, helping people negotiate deals. So it's 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 all about how I help others, how you help others and why you love doing it. So good. I think that there's so many good points there in um Speaking to the why, people don't necessarily care what you do. They care why you do it and what, what what's uniquely motivating for you. And then always having, I always tell people to have a good answer to the question, why do your past clients love working with you? And, it, and again, it goes back to that place of empowering you and giving you confidence and and. And accepting, I think it shows confidence and security when you can say, you know what? I'm not for everybody just coming right out and saying that. I think it's, it builds trust and confidence and security. People want to be around people that are secure in their own skin where you say, you know what? I've got a really unique style. So I know um, hiring a wedding photographer is really tricky. I want to help you figure this out and make sure we're the right fit because I'm definitely not for every couple. Here's why my past customers have loved working with me the most is I help 
I don't just take pictures. Um, I help you plan your day. I love working with you to get to know your personality so that we can help structure the day in a way that works for you to get the right types of images that you're really looking for. Um, here's the types of images that I really like to specialize in. Um, and uh, most of all, I create a heirloom quality album for each and one, each and every one of my couples. And this is the thing that really, um, years later, my clients come back and thank me for. So that's just a quick example of how you can take the concepts you're learning today and put that into a short video, right? To, to make this amazing first impression. And those things you're saying will ripple into the, the conversation you're having in person also. Um, this has been so fun, Ted. Thank you so much for, for connecting dots for me. Um, I think going all the way back to the top, just normalizing that um, I'm not the only goofball out there that, that gets still insecure about negotiating. Um, it, we're not alone and it's totally normal. We're totally human. And it explains why as creatives, it's a little bit um, more difficult for us and, and just being aware of it and then taking these steps to, to compensate is really, really valuable. Um, you have an, an amazing kind of, uh, I would say, repertoire of, of training and resources available on your website. We're going to link out to them. Guys, Ted's got these short, great YouTube videos. Um, He's got an awesome newsletter you can jump on. To, he'll send you out some of his best articles, and then you'll get his weekly tips that way. Um, follow him. Uh, we'll put his, his Twitter bio out there, too, or your Twitter uh, pro link. And then finally, a link to the Creative Live course. Could you wrap up um, it just by sharing a little bit more about what you taught in the Creative Live course and what's included in that? Uh, in the Creative Life course, I talked about the uh, dilemma that all creatives face in that uh, the very thing that uh, clients want from us, which is which is the ability of our work to make emotional connections, uh, that same empathy that uh, creates that is gets in the way when we're negotiating. And so the goal of that class was to uh, expose people uh, 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 students, I guess, are participants in the fundamental ideas that many creatives have used um, to get past those anxieties, understand their value, and feel confident in asking for what they're worth in the uh, whenever they're discussing money or scope of work or schedule or or anything to do with with pricing. So, um, and uh, really cool. It looks like you have. Um, not, it's a, a really normalizing um, and, and I think practical training where you, you have uh, you're, you're working face to face with photographers and, and coaching them live on camera and walking right. through their businesses and how this can apply using um, you've got a lot of additional tools that you walk them through using to get to this place. Can you could you yeah could you end with? Um, maybe an anecdote or a story of of a kind of a before and after of of a, whether it's a coaching client or a student or somebody who who really just struggled with this and then through implementing the practices you've created um, has has opened up new new opportunities is earning more or is more happier with with their life and their business. 
Well, one of my one of my experiences has been that uh, that three sessions is kind of a magic number. Um, I've done this a lot now. And uh, people often come to me when they're when they're negotiating a, a deal that's really important to them for some reason. You know, it may be more money than they're than they've ever done in the past, or more complicated, or or uh, they really really need it because of some life circumstances or something like that. Right. And so one of the things that I've noticed uh, is that you know I'll co- I'll talk with them for an hour, you know, on Skype or in person. And um, um, and we really understand the fundamentals of what they're facing and what they have to offer and what the issues are. Uh, and I always I always get them to tell me uh, what their thinking is on price in that first in that first one hour session. And um, uh, uh, they and they always start out low. And I never criticize that. I just mm-hmm. note it down that that's, you know, what the amount of money was. Right. And then we have the second session and, you know, we usually have a few days or a week in between those two sessions. And the second session, um, we, again, we kind of talk further about it. If I've given them a homework assignment, they're reporting back on the homework assi- assignment and we talk about how that homework can be used to be really relevant for the negotiation that's coming up. And um, I usually ask them again what their thinking is on price, and it's always gone up. Yeah. It's always yeah. gone up. And yep. it's just because it's because they've kind of gone through with someone who cares about them, someone who understands the circumstances, someone who's on their team. They've gone through it and they realize, oh, I could actually ask for this much, not that much. And then we do the final session prior to their negotiation. And um, we really talk about how they're going to the other person that they're meeting with, what we know about that person, um, how the preparation that we've done will be used in the meeting with that other person. And then at the end, we talk a little bit about price. And again, it's always gone up. Yep. And then often when we do the follow-up after the negotiation, I find that they've actually asked for more than they even told me in the first place and, got, <laughs> and gotten it. You know? Right. Yeah. So and cool. so it's and so it is it's it's a it's a, it's it's a process of kind of understanding how to focus yourself prior to something that's a that for you is a major negotiation so that you um so that you feel confident and you are behave in a confident way and you ask for what you need uh that's right for you and is right for the other party as well. So true. Oh, this has been so valuable. Um, I'm excited to hear the, our, our own stories in the group um, and from our listeners about how you are implementing these tactics to to stand in your sense of worth and your confidence and, and grow a sustainable business. Um, Ted, thank you again so much for hanging out. Um, you guys can give him a shout at on Twitter. Um, let him know uh, your Thanks for for this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time, Ted, and have an awesome rest of your day. All right. Thank you, Nate. It was a pleasure.